0: Last week we heard how God gave Daniel insight into the king's dream and its interpretation and in doing so saved the lives of all the Babylonian magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and fortune tellers. Now things must have been going pretty well for King Nebuchadnezzar because he managed to source enough gold to build a massive gold statue 30 metres high and 3 metres thick. At the dedication ceremony for the statue, the king had all the important people there and his MC announcer declared, Attention everyone, every person from all the places we stole you from, listen, when you hear the band starting, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue. And he also added, Anyone who does not kneel and worship shall be thrown immediately into a massive fire. Then, as if on cue to test how well everyone was listening, the band kicked into gear and everyone fell to their knees and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now it just so happened that some of the Babylonian fortune tellers who obviously forgot that Daniel had saved them from being executed, came forward. And after reminding the king of his statement about everyone needing to worship the statue, conveniently pointed out there were some blokes in attendance, i.e., Daniel's three mates, who were not worshipping the gold statue. Well, this flipped the king's switch again, and he angrily ordered them to be brought in for a grilling. When the three men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to worship the gold statue that I've set up? Look, I kind of like you blokes, and you're really quite clever. So I'll give you a second chance, but from now on, when the band starts playing, you'll have to get on your knees and worship my statue. If you don't, you'll be thrown into a flaming hot box, no questions asked. And as if to flex his man-made authority, the king asks, "And then what? God will be able to rescue you from my power?" Undeterred by the angry king throwing death threats around, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answers the king. Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the god we serve can rescue us from your flaming hotbox and anything else you might cook up. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship your gold statue. Well, this completely popped Nebuchadnezzar's valves. And with his face purple with anger, he ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. And the three boys, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were thrown into the roaring fire. The furnace was so hot, it even killed the men, ordered to throw them in. And suddenly, the king jumped up in alarm and said, didn't we throw three men into the fire? There's another in the fire. I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. The king put on his special fireproof suit and went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you obviously can walk the talk with serving your God. Come out here. And they walked out of the fire. Well, as you can imagine, this caused quite the kerfuffle. All the important people that were attending the big statue dedication gathered around to examine the firewalkers and discovered the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men. Not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. In a moment of clarity, Nebuchadnezzar declares... Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted him. They laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. I therefore issue this decree, says the king, to everyone, everywhere, every people group, language group, community group, and firefighter in the entire kingdom. If anyone says anything about the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they will be ripped to pieces and their houses destroyed. There has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. With the Babylonian fortune tellers silenced by the miracle of the one true God, the king promoted the three men to even more important jobs than they had before. Daniel's three mates had remained faithful to God. Even when literally under fire. Next week, we'll get to the most famous of stories about Daniel when he has a sleepover with the original cast of The Lion King.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, give him a round of applause. This is too good. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what a story. I'm Cindy, by the way. Hi, everyone. Um, what a story some of those words what did he say death threats firewalkers, bodies on the line flaming hot box sounds like a kfc takeaway order there's never been a god who can pull off a rescue like this quick show of hands if you've heard this story before Yeah, okay. It's up there with the Bible kind of, you know, highlights Real, You know, Noah's Ark, Moses parting the waters, Jesus' death, resurrection, all these amazing, miraculous stories. This one is up there. In fact, it's had quite a bit of traction over the years. You might know a guy called Louis Armstrong, not personally, I'm guessing, but you might. Have a little look at this. He wrote a song about it. Whole clip, so go and Google it later. You can watch it on YouTube, it's really cool. Um, I thought maybe we might just try that. We've got the kids in today, so every time I mention the word Shadrach, I want you guys and the kids. I'm kind of relying on you to lead the way here with the parents. But if I say Shadrach, I want you to say Meshach Abednego. Can we try that? So I'm going to be talking today about Shadrach. Yeah, well, he's not really from country Victoria, he's not from Bendigo. No, seriously, every time I say Shadrach, I want you to say, good, because this story is not actually about Shadrach, it's actually not about Nebuchadnezzar, it's actually about God. And what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of having courage actually in the fire, not just under fire. And there are three things in this story that are going to lead us to understand that God is completely faithful, and that is through worship through the convictions we might have and through the trials that we might go through so let me just take you back to babylon it's about 550 years before jesus was born and at this point last week troy spoke to us about daniel who had to interpret a dream for nebuchadnezzar about a statue 20 years has lapped since lapsed since the last chapter which is interesting because now all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar is actually making a statue. And it's this one here that... Oh, I've missed one. Where's my statue gone, Nick? Can you find that for me? The little gold... There he is. Scary, isn't he? <laughs> um, it's been 20 years since the dream prophecy that Nef- Nebuchadnezzar had and now here he is actually making a statue. This image... Sorry, I'm just trying to find where my slides are. I'm a little bit lost. There we go. 90 feet tall this statue was and 9 feet wide. Now, in metres, if you need to know, that's actually 27 metres by 2.7 metres. So it was quite narrow but very tall. And the reason for that was because then it could be seen from far away. See, Nebuchadnezzar was this guy who wanted to say, look at me. In fact, when we look at the text, we find out that the word for image that is used in the Hebrew, actually Aramaic, but in the Hebrew, it means it's the same word as Genesis 1 where God makes man and woman in his own image. So for the Hebrew speakers here today, it's Selim, which means the image of God. We as God's people were meant to tend to the world and Shadrach, they knew this, but not Nebuchadnezzar because he says... I'm like God. I want to make myself an image that you guys can look up to to know how powerful I am. In actual fact, there's this cylinder that these archaeologists found in 1888. It's in cuneiform writing, really old kind of script. I mean, good luck trying to decipher that. But in this, Nebuchadnezzar actually had people write down, and I'll read the quote to you, Everybody shall read all about my deeds and shall understand my excellence and the excellence of my gods. See, Nebuchadnezzar was a little bit proud about his, his kind of achievements. He wanted to unite the empire in Babylon and he wanted to be worshipped. And this is where Shadrach, Shadrach ran into trouble because the herald called out, come on everybody, every time you hear the music, you've got to bow down and worship this statue. But you see, Shadrach, oh, you guys are so with me, I'm loving this. They didn't want to bow down because they had this thing called the Ten Commandments. I'm sure you've heard of them. Give me a wave if you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, Now, nowadays we would think Ten Commandments, a lot of people might say it's just a whole bunch of rules. But you see, it was much more for Shadrach. It was actually about healthy guidelines for living because God wanted to show that he was going to be faithful to them through those commandments the first commandment worship God only and don't make an image of anything and bow down to it and they took this pretty seriously and I wonder whether I might jump straight into a personal personal challenge here today I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of worship and the idea of idols now of course you wouldn't bow down to an idol like Nebuchadnezzar would you I mean, if I made a gold statue right here of, say, Dan Andrews or Anthony Albanese, King Charles, perhaps, would you bow down to it if Gonoc and Kyle started playing guitar and I said bow down to that? Probably not, likely not. However, there are things in our lives that we do give a lot of importance to, and sometimes those things kind of slide their way into first position above God. We all have them. They might be your work, they might be your status. They might be your grades at school. They might be your sporting achievements. Um, I don't know what it is for you. I know for me that uh, when I had put out an album of jazz and I was starting to do all these jazz gigs, I started to think about jazz. I started to think about singing so much that I almost became completely obsessed with it. And I remember God interrupting my thoughts one day, saying to me, Cindy, are you actually using the music that I gave to you to worship me, to worship yourself with? I remember thinking, I think I'm making this music thing into an idol. And I don't know what it is for you. But you see, idols are not faithful. They're not going to come through with you in a blazing furnace. They're not going to save you. So I wonder whether it's worth just talking about that for a moment and saying, well, do we actually have idols in our own lives that we need to face up to? I mean, what about you? Is there anything that's sliding into first position? There's a scholar called Paul Tillich who says, an idol for us today is that which we call our ultimate concern, the things that we try and elevate and put on the throne of our lives and the things that we try to crown as most important. So I wonder what that might be for you. You see this is one thing that Shadrach, you're still with me, they got this right, they knew that God was the one that they wanted to worship and that's what shapes this story and it might shape your story too because putting God first is often counter-cultural, that's where we find our first point of courage. You see Shadrach, they didn't want to do it Nebuchadnezzar's way, they wanted to do it God's way. And back in the day, in Babylon, they had what we might call polytheists, people who worshipped a lot of gods. So for a lot of people, it didn't matter if they just bowed down to one more, but not for these three Jewish men. I mean, today too, we have a lot of religions. We even have people who are spiritual but not religious And so it takes guts to stand up in front of people who might have a lot of religious affiliations or spiritualities going on and say, actually, I just choose to serve one God or I just choose to follow Jesus. A lot of people think it's a little weird. I don't know if any of you have watched The Chosen. Show of hands. Yeah. What I love about the opening title slide is that they have this fish that a um, whole heap of fish swimming one way and then when somebody comes to follow Jesus the fish does a complete flip and goes the other way and swims against the current and I feel like that's what it would have been like for Shadrach and you didn't say it why didn't you say it you have to say it Shadrach And oh, you said it <laughs> just, just checking see one day with a faith that follows Jesus You might find yourself eventually pushed into a corner. And then where will your help come from? It will come from the maker of heaven and earth. This morning I was sitting with a cup of coffee, super early, with a blankie on my lap, dog next to me, watching the sunrise in the complete dark because I just wanted to wait and just get ready for today. And I saw the sunrise and I saw the colours and I thought, this is the God that I'm choosing to serve, the one who makes the heavens and the earth. I don't know when the last time was you saw a sunrise, but it's pretty powerful. And when you know that God, you will find courage in the fire. Have you ever seen a photo like this before? (laughs) So this has been all over the news this week and um, you've probably seen it, this submersible. It made me think as I was preparing for this talk that this was an uncertified underwater vehicle, right? And it had all these things that um, weren't quite right And I wonder about when we dive deep into faith, when we dive deep into finding out more about who God is, that we want to make sure we have the right stuff. We want to make sure we have somebody who can actually hold us together when we're diving deep. And you know who got this right? Shadrach. But somebody dobbed them in. These astrologers... These stargazers, you see, they were just quietly going about their own business, these three Jewish men. They weren't protesting, they weren't, you know, hoo hiring we're not going to bow down to you. They were just minding their own business, but these people dobbed them in. It wasn't a class action, it wasn't the whole Jewish community, it was just Shadrach and they were standing out. And I wonder if you've ever been dobbed in for your convictions. Have you ever been dobbed in because you chose to stand up for something that you knew was right? I have. It's not a huge story, but it's a little one. I used to work for a school. It wasn't a Christian school. And they wanted to go out for their Christmas party to this place called Witches and Britches. Have you heard about that? It's in Melbourne. It's near the Queen Vic Market. And I didn't really want to go but I thought, oh, I'll go along and you know, because everyone was going. It was a staff dinner and they were paying so that's all good. So I went along but I was terrified out of my wits. It was the most scariest place for me and I wasn't used to being in a place like that. So the following year when we're invited again to go on staff dinner, I actually said, oh, I might set this one out even though they were paying, it was a free meal. I thought, no, I'm not going to go because I just didn't feel right about it, witches and britches. There were so many things there that were contrary to what I believed. God is all about life and resurrection and restoration. But this place was all about death and scary things, not to mention lots of cobwebs. But in that, in standing up for my convictions, I found that lots of staff came to me in sort of recess lunchtime and said, how come you're not going to the staff party? I just got to share my story, not in a weird way, um, and not, not in a forceful way. I just kind of let people come to me and ask the questions. Anyway, I hope I didn't ruin it for people because the year later we didn't go to Witches and Bridges. We went to a much better place and way better meals. Anyway, so when you're under pressure, sometimes you're actually, you find that you get to share a part of God's story. This is my next point I want to talk to you about other than worshipping the one God. It's about where your convictions are. Have a quick look at Nebuchadnezzar's three replies to when Shadrach (laughs) did not want to bow down to his statue. He said, is it true? I mean, he can't believe it that somebody's standing up to them. But he's actually giving them an opportunity to speak out what they think. Then he says, if you're ready, when the music starts. What do you mean, if you're ready? Oh, he's giving them actually a little bit of time to prepare. So he's asking them to confirm what they believe and then he's actually saying take some time to think about this and then he says what God is going to be able to rescue you. He draws the battle lines. He says right come on come on let's see who's biggest here. Is it me or is it your God and in that point all that Shadrach could do is to wait for God to finish the job. See God had a track record. He delivered the Israelites from out of Egypt. And when David and Goliath, you know, that that big guy Goliath who dared to defy the armies of the Lord, when he spoke against God, God came through. He has a track record. And what was their conviction, Shadrach? They basically just said, God is bigger than you, Nebuchadnezzar. No, 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 no. Well, they might not have done that a little bit, but that's what happened. And then what? What happens next? They actually get to share their conviction. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, if we're thrown into that, what did Peter say, flaming hot box, if we're thrown into that hot box, God can save us, but even if he doesn't. Now, what is that about? Can we just stop and press pause for a minute? What do you mean, even if he doesn't? What is going on there? Let me read you something from the NIV commentary, which I highly recommend. By saying, if not... The men are not suggesting that God cannot deliver them from the fire, but he's saying that he might not intervene and that it is up to God now to demonstrate who he is. The quiet, modest and positive attitude to faith that these three men, Shadrach, (laughs) display is one of the noblest examples of faith fully resigned to the will of God. Of three ordinary people. These men ask for no miracle and they actually expect none. How does that sit with you? See, what they're doing is they're actually serving God for God's sake, not for their own. They're actually understanding a perspective that they're in God's story. This is actually about God, this is not actually about them. And it makes me ask the question of myself. As a Jesus follower, is my life actually about me? What would I do if I was standing in front of a flaming hot box? Would I ask the question, God, is this about you or is this about me? What would you do? Is your life about you or does it fit into a much bigger story? Jesus himself said in Luke 9, he says, if you want to be a follower of me, You've got to give up your own way of doing things. Last week, Troy spoke about this idea of your inner convictions and your outer behaviour having to match up. You see, if we are worshipping the one true God and we're putting him first in our life, then the convictions that we have about who he is has to come through with the way in which we serve him so that it's not about ourselves, but it's actually about his story. So when we're under pressure, the convictions that we have, we get to share about who God is We let him demonstrate that. We can use our convictions to share God's story when we're under pressure and not always in really big situations like Shadrach but in small little baby steps of everyday things. For example, what about on your tax returns? They're probably due soon. Are you being honest? Are you showing your conviction there? probably nobody else will see it. What about office gossip? When you're hearing things about people and you think, oh yeah, that was a terrible thing that that person did. Do you join in? Or do you have a conviction and go, no, I worship the one true God and I know that he wants me to be honest in my dealings with people. He wants me to love people. What was it that you said before? Love, love, love until they ask the questions. This is a perfect opportunity. Or maybe it's about speaking up. Maybe in the schoolyard, if... Other kids are being bullied. Is it about stepping in and saying, actually, my conviction is to love this person and to bring them in? With your convictions, take your opportunities. Be prepared beforehand and wait for God. I once heard a talk about a turnstile of faith, standing and walking up to the little turnstile and actually pushing on it to activate your faith you could stand behind it for a long time and say i'm not going to speak up about the gossip i, I don't have enough guts to interrupt on a, on a bully who's bullying someone in the schoolyard but as soon as you step into that place and you do stand up for your convictions god starts to move and things start to roll it's a step of trust and a step of faith so lean in on that you'll discover that god is faithful i mean just look at shadrach they were faithful They ended up in the flaming hot box, seven times hotter, it says. That's actually an exaggeration. If you look at the Aramaic, what it actually means is that it was just made as hot as possible. Apparently, in the ancient Near East, you couldn't get a fire too much hotter than about 900 degrees. Hot enough to throw somebody in, I guess. But the thing was is that the fire that they were thrown into wasn't actually there for execution purposes. It was there to melt the gold to make the statue to which they were bowing down, supposed to bow down to, to which they're now in the fire for. Do you get it? So it's quite ironic, isn't it, that the fire that they're in is because of the statue that they're meant to bow down to, which they're not. Interesting little side note. But look at this. Nebuchadnezzar suddenly gets up. He's like, what on earth? Didn't we put three men in there? Now there's four interesting things here firstly God whether it's an angel or whether it's Jesus himself there's lots of debate about that God is in the fire with them secondly they're not tied up anymore on the inside I think that's worth noting they're tied up when they get thrown in but they're not tied up when they're in it and I'll come back to that in just a moment but I want you to notice that God did deliver them yes it's a miracle but he didn't deliver them from the fire because they're in it he delivered them in the fire i'm just going to say that again because maybe you didn't get it in fact i'm just going to say shadrach Shadrach. okay (laughs) still there um he didn't deliver them from the fire he delivered them in the fire you see sometimes we still have to go through trials and i want to put it to you But the reason sometimes we go through trials is because the story that we're sharing when we're in the fire, in our own fiery trials, is going to give God glory at some point. That's how the story ends. Nebuchadnezzar ends up saying, oh wow, that God's powerful. That really must have done his head in. (laughs) So when you get to a trial, I want to put this to you. You will find courage when you're in the fire, when you put God first and you stand by your convictions by following your opportunities and allowing God to bring his story through you so that when you're actually in it, you will find that his presence is there with you. I wonder what kind of fiery trials you're in right now. Is there something that you're in at the moment in your life that you're thinking, I'm in a bit of a fiery trial? I went through a fiery trial, probably more like a spot fire actually. When my grandfather was dying, he was in palliative care and my mother and I went in and we prayed in his room. Um, my grandfather is Catholic and I thought what I might do is put the Lord's Prayer up on the wall. It might be encouraging to him. I had good intentions but my aunties and my uncles did not like that at all because they thought that I was trying to convert him to become a Protestant. I don't know if you know anything about the difference there, but basically it's the same God that we're serving. So I thought, cool, I'm safe with this. We prayed in his room, we put the Lord's Prayer up on the wall and then things went nuts in my family. I was being slandered left, right. Did you hear about Cindy? She's trying to convert Oprah and all these things and I'm going to get her out of that hospital room. She's going to start converting him. And she's like... This, that was not my intention. I just wanted to bring peace. I just, I just wanted to bring peace. I wanted to be peace. I wanted to be a person of peace. But I was completely misunderstood. And in that fiery trial, do you know what happened? Not only did I feel God's presence and his peace, but the stories that came out when my aunties start ringing me up on the phone and going, what on earth have you been up to? And I go, I just wanted to bring peace. And I like, go, oh, what does that mean? What does that look like? And then I got to share the story. It's only a little fiery trial, just a little spot fire, but it's a little example of how God can come through through you and with you in the fire. Do you see? That's where the courage is. Just like Shadrach, God was in that fire with me. And like Peter just sang, there's another in the fire, that's what that song is all about. It's about God being in the middle of your trials and not always as a result of your convictions either. Our trials do grow us and they get his story out. So I'm just about to wrap this up now, but I do want to say one thing. Did you know that today, one in seven people who follow Jesus around the world are persecuted for following Jesus? There's a little podcast I subscribe to called Open Doors and they keep an update on where the persecuted Christians are in the world. And the persecution is not always violent. It can be um, just pressure or hostility. And it makes me wonder how many people are facing that. And what is their hope? What is a Christian's hope? What is a person's hope who who follows Jesus when they're in trials? Do you remember, Shad? Well, you just said rack. Well done, Shad. (laughs) do you remember when they were in the fire they had hope because there was somebody in there with them we have an extra perspective that they didn't have and that is this paul writes in the new testament that he was suffering and had been chained like he was a criminal but the word of god cannot be chained it can't be bound he says i'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation, that means peace with God. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. It's a good news story. And from our perspective, we know that there is somebody who went through the fire for us alone. Jesus, he did not want to die, but he did. Why did he do that? So that we might have peace with God and so that we might have his presence in all of our trials by fire, whatever they might be. God will be in your fiery trials with you. Worship him as the one true God. Take the opportunity to share your convictions and know that he is present. Might invite Gonok and Kyle up. So this week, just a couple of things. A few little things to think about. Who or what is on the throne of your life recognize it and respond are there any things that are getting in the way of you actually worshiping and following god if you've chosen to be a jesus follower maybe take some time this week to think about prioritizing time with him secondly what are your convictions take your opportunities to think about them just in the small things just in the small things Share God's story. And what trials are you facing today? Know that God's presence is there with you and you can trust him. And let's be like Shadrach and discover that God is faithful.